Bible says in Ephesians 4 and verse 25, Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. Neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good that he may give to him that needeth. Let no man corrupt communicate let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice, and be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Father, I pray you'd help me now. Lord, you know me, you know my heart. Lord, you know me better than I know myself. And Lord, I pray, Lord, you'd have mercy on me. You'd touch me and help me to preach. Lord, I know, Lord, that there's people here that need to hear from you this morning. And Lord, I don't want to get in the way of you speaking to hearts. I pray I wouldn't say anything out of line or out that's not in tune with the Word of God. And I pray you'd help me to say everything you'd have me to say, Lord. And I pray most of all, if there's one lost here today, I pray you convict their heart. Lord, I know, Lord, that no doubt in the room with this many people, there's someone here that doesn't know you as their Lord and Savior. And I pray this morning would be the day that they bow their knee to you and call upon your name. Lord, I love you. I thank you for giving me another opportunity. I pray you'd help me to preach as a dying man to dying men and women. Lord, whatever happens and whatever's accomplished, Lord, I'll give you all the glory and honor. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can be seated. I want us to look at verse number 27. And uh, the Bible says this. Neither give place to the devil. And that's a very short verse. Um, I didn't compare it to other short verses in the Bible, but uh, by my count, there's six words in that verse. And you can read that and just kind of, if you're not careful when you read your Bible, maybe I'm the only one that does this, but probably not. Sometimes you get to reading your Bible and you come to a verse like that because of its size and you just read it and go to the next verse, the next verse, the next verse. But I've been studying these verses for several weeks and when I do this, I try to spend time just reading these ver the, the text that we're going to be preaching on over and over again. And really all I'm trying to find, I want the Lord to just burn in my heart what's the message from that text that He wants to preach. Uh, and in verse 27, I just can't get past this thought where the Bible says, neither give place to the devil. You know, we use that uh, phrase, give place, or uh, this term, every, a lot. it's a common term. In fact, a lot of the sayings we use are Bible sayings. Uh, you ever heard anybody, anybody ever called you and said, hey, I'm looking for a place for me and my family. Or I need a place to stay. We, we're, we're needing a place to stay. And uh, would you help me find a place? And the Bible says that we are never, that, that we should not neither give place to the devil. Uh, that word place there, uh, it means a spot. A spot. And and if the Lord will help me this morning, I want to preach on this thought. I want to preach on taking back lost ground. Did you know this morning the devil is looking for a place in your life? He's looking for a place in this church. 
And Paul said, neither give place. Now, again, it means a spot. It's just something. It, it, it ain't, you know, we're not talking about a large area. He just, the devil just needs somewhere to put his feet in our life in order to do what he wants to do in our lives. He said, neither give place to the devil. I've been trying to think about this, uh, but did you know this? The devil don't need a lot of ground to do a big job in your life. Did you know that you can let him in and give him just a place? And by the way, the Bible says neither give place. The debt, all this, you know, we're living in a world that everybody's a victim. I want you to know this morning that if the devil has a place in my life, or if the devil has a place in your life, it's not because he took it, it's because we gave it to him. Think about that. Lord, I say, oh, the devil, the devil, the devil can only have ground in my life that I forfeit to him. And, and uh, uh, you know, it'd be like this. Let's think about this. Let's say you own 50 acres and uh, somebody comes by and you give them half an acre in the middle of your 50 acres. And you think, well, it's just half an acre. It's surely not too much back can come from that. And, uh, and all of a sudden you go out there uh, and it's about bedtime and you hear something and you look down in the middle of your 50 acres, they've got, a, they've got one of them uh, party buses down there. And they've got uh, uh, speakers on the outside and there's laser lights going everywhere and they're drinking and partying and carrying on and the music is blaring. And, and there's, and I mean, they're throwing down. You know what I mean? They're throwing down like it's 1999. And, uh, and uh, I mean, and you're saying, and what have I done? And you go down there and you say, hey, you can't do that. You know what they tell you? Oh, I can do whatever I want on my half acre. And you know, legally, you can't do nothing about it. You can get mad. Have you ever seen, I love, I, I don't know why, but uh, I, these, these random, I, I get on these random, me and brother Justin, we get on these random rabbit hole things. And I, the other day I was watching these disputes between neighbors and they, they was building fences. They was trying to see who could build a fence closest to the property line. And I mean, there, it literally you had one fence right here and there was about that much room between the fences and they were going at it. But the, you know what? There was nothing he could do about his fence. There was nothing that he could do about their fence because they, only, they both had one side of that line they could build on. And I want you to know this morning, the devil doesn't need a lot of ground to mess up my life. And the truth of the matter is, a half acre may not seem much, but when he's on it, he can do a lot of damage. Now, and by the way, by the way, think about this. None of my life and my body is for my giving away. You say, well, he means it belongs to God. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says this, For you're bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are his, which are God's. People say things like this, well, it's my body. No, if you're saved, it's not your body. Well, it's my life. Well, if you're saved, if you're saved, it's not your life. Paul said in Galatians 2, 20, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I. But the life that I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave Himself for me. So the truth of the matter is, it's not my life and it's not my body and it's not my mind to be given away. But if we'd all be honest, if we searched hard enough, we could probably find a place that we've given to the devil. A place. If we got honest about it, 
The truth of the matter is, why does he just want a spot? I'll tell you why. Because once he gets a spot, you know what he gets? A bigger spot. And a bigger spot. And a bigger spot. And before long, you think about this. There's only one place in your life, or there's only one place about us that he cannot have. That's our soul. If you're saved, listen to me, if you're saved, the devil can't have your soul. But I tell you what he can do. He can take over everything else in your life. You say, prove it to me. Well, have you ever heard of a man named Lot? You know what Lot did? He gave place to the devil. The Bible says he looked upon the well-watered plains of Sodom and Gomorrah and he went down there and he went towards Sodom and then you know what happened? Then he was living in Sodom and then he was a ruler sitting at the gate of Sodom and before it was all done, the only thing that Lot had left was his own soul. I was listening the other day to this, uh, I, when I'm, I'm mowing, I listen to these podcasts, it was a coon hunting podcast, but they had this man on there, and, and, and they used to call him preppers, but I guess you just call him smart now, because, I mean, with grocery, he, he, he about three years ago, now follow me, I'm going somewhere, about three years ago, um, he said that he, he, he got tired of having to depend on Grocery stores, and he, he made up his mind that he was going to raise, grow, and, 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 and work everything for his family that they needed to eat on his ground. There's only one problem. He lives on one acre. And, and so it got my interest, and he began talking about, uh, and, and they were interviewing him. And, and did you know, as I listen to that, he's, right now, three years later, he, he doesn't have just a chicken coop. He's got a chicken coop that's underneath the rabbit pens. That's there. And basically the way he's got it set up, the rabbits eat and what they discard goes down and the chickens eat. And then, I mean, it's crazy. He's got, and, and when he, his garden, he doesn't plant in rows. He plants three different types like uh, squash, beans, and something else. And they're all together. And, 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 and he was going over it. And the guy who was interviewing, now again, I'm listening. I, he was describing it, talking about it. He said, he said not one inch of that one acre was not used for something for his family. And they said, and he told him, he said, how long can you survive? He said, well, me and my family right now on what we have, I figure we can live about a year and a half on what we got right here on one acre of ground. And Brother, Brother Tacker, I was listening to that. Again, I'm always thinking about preaching. I'm always thinking about the, 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 the text I'm in. And the Lord told me this. He said, if, I, if that man could do all that with just one acre, what do you think I could do if you would get that ground back for me that you've given to the devil? Why is this so important? Because all the devil's doing in our lives right now is, is causing destruction. He's, he's causing torment. I promise you, if you've got trouble this morning, whether it's spiritual, emotional, whatever it is, you can trace it back. You can go back and you can probably find where there was a time where you gave him a place in your life. And if we all would look at our own selves and quit looking at other people, we always like to compare to other people and say, well, they give the devil more ground than I have. What does it matter if the devil's got one out, if he's got one inch of ground in my life, he's got one inch too much of my life. The problem with the devil is he don't like to leave. It's like your mother-in-law. She moves in, she's hard to get rid of. My wife's not here, by the way. I got all these jokes I've been waiting to tell. I'm going to use them today. But 
he's hard to get rid of. And when he comes, the truth of the matter is, by ourselves, we can't get him out of our lives. I've known of very few people in my Christian life that I really believe totally and completely was sold out to the Lord. I mean, you, you, if you, I mean, people I was around a lot that that you never see, and the and the the secret to their lives was not they were so strong and so wise and so gifted and tough. The secret was they wouldn't give the devil a place. And Paul said, "Neither give place." Now, verse 20, 20, uh, 24 or twenty-five. Yeah, twenty-five. I'm, I'm gonna just go over this this morning. Do you really want to get them out of your life? I don't know about you, but I want them. I want them. I want. To, I, I want the Lord to have every bit of James Martin he, that's possibly that he possibly can. I want the Lord to have every bit of my life that I want Him to have all of it. And the truth is, if, if you love God, you want God to have all of you as well. But in order for God to have that ground, we have got to run the devil out. And I want you to know that we, we as a church, we should want to run him out of our church. Run, if you're married, you ought to want to run him out of your marriage. Run him out of your children. You ought to want to run him out of your home. If you At work, you ought not to give place to the devil there. By the way, anywhere you give him a place, he'll take it. He's not greedy. I mean, he's not, he's not picky. He'll take any place you give him. And you think, oh, well, how can he hurt me over here? I'm, I'm at school or I'm at work. This ain't got nothing to do with my, this ain't got nothing to do with that. Oh, listen, that's all he's looking for is a way to get in. And once he gets in, he never lets up. Verse 25, he says this, Wherefore, putting away line. Now, look back at verse 22. He says that ye put off concerning the former conversation, the old man. Verse 24, and that ye put on the new man. And then verse 25, put away. A whole lot of putting going on, ain't there? Verse 5, he says you got to put off the old man. Then he says you need to put on the new man. But even though you put on the new man, there's still some things that we have to put away. That word put away, it means to cast off. It means to discard with no intent of retrieval. The problem with us, listen to me, and the first thing is this, if we're going to, now listen, this ain't going to be what you want to hear, and it ain't what I want to hear, but it's going to be what the Bible says. Truth of the matter is, the reason he's got so much ground in our life, because we don't want to do what the Bible says to do to get him gone. The first thing we got to do, if we're going to take back this lost ground, think about the time in your life where God had the most of you. Where God had the most of your heart, the most of your mind, the most of your life. And I promise you that was the happiest time of your life, the most content time of your life, the most uh, uh, joyful and satisfying time of your life. And listen to me, the only difference between then and now is Satan has taken ground in our life that does not belong to him, that's not entitled to him. And if we're not, we've got to be willing to say, Lord, whatever it takes to get rid of him, that's what I want to do. First thing is we have to repent of sin. Repent of sin. That's what he's talking about. Putting something away, that's repentance. Here's how we repent. I call it fishing like fishing, you know, fishing pole repentance. We'll throw it out there, but we want to leave the line attached. So we can bring it back. 
But he says, if we're going to get him out, if we're going to gain this ground back, he says, we've got to put away some things. Put it away. Put it away. You understand? Paul said, when I was a child, I, I spoke as a child. But he says, when I became a man, he said, I put away childish things. And I want you to know the devil, as long as we want to play with the toys, as long as we want to keep the little vices and we want to keep the little habits and the little and the little things that we call little, the truth of the matter is they're not little. They're all big. If it's sin, it's sin. You understand me? It ain't big sin, little sin, white sin, black sin. It's sin. Sin is sin. And, and, and by the way, as long as I've got sin in my life, I can be sure of this, I've given the devil a place in my life. Till we repent, we'll never give, we'll never get an inch back of the lost ground in our lives. But the problem with us is, in order for us to repent, first thing we got to do is we got to admit or acknowledge that there is a problem. You'll never repent of a sin that you don't first admit and acknowledge. And most of us have convinced ourselves that those sins in our life aren't really sin. Because the sins in our life ain't as bad as the sins we see on TV. I got news for you. Things they're doing now. I mean, look, there's, there's very few things you can do bad compared to what's going on now. But the Bible is the standard. You understand? The Bible is the standard. Do you understand what I'm The Bible. Not CNN, not Fox News. It ain't the judge in, in, in Mayfield or Graves County. It's not the federal court, the Supreme Court. It's not the president or the governor. The, the Bible, this is the final. Uh, the Bible is the standard. This is what tells us what right and what's wrong and let God be true in every man a liar and this Bible says that sin is the transgression of the law and the reason the devil has a place in our lives is we've allowed things in our life that welcome him and make him feel comfortable in our lives you know if you want Martins and I'm not talking about I'm talking about the birds. You don't have to call them. You don't have to trap them. You don't have to bait them. You don't have to all you. You know what you have to do to get a martin? You got to get you a gourd and a pole. And you got to fix that. I, I used to not believe this. Till I have a, a, a yard um, that I know. And, 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 and the man's father-in-law moved in, bought some land next door and put a, a mobile home in. And the man that owned the, most of the ground, he had, he had these, I mean, he had, I mean, gourds everywhere. And he couldn't get those martins. Brother Larry, he didn't, he couldn't get them. He'd have a few martins show up and then the rain crows would come run them out and the, and the coons would get them. But, but his father-in-law moved in from Florida and he put up one, one pole with about six gourds on it and in and, and, and about three months' time, he had more martins. You, I mean, it was like that movie, The Birds. You know, the, what's that movie? The old Alfred Hitchcock. You know what I'm talking about? Them, them mar- and when you mow, I mean, they're just darting over your head. And I asked him, I said, I, his name's Jim. I said, Jim, how come you got so many martins compared to him? And he said, I know how to, build a, I know how to make a gourd that a martin wants to live in. And I started asking about, he, he, he has a certain way, the way he, and the reason he had more Martins over there is because he had created an environment that Martins like to be in. Does that make sense? And the reason the devil feels so at home in our lives 
is because there's so much sin in our lives. He loves it. He likes to be around it. And if we're being honest, we've laid out the welcome mat and said, come on in. Uh, take your time. Take up rest. Take up shop wherever you are. You say, why does it matter how I live, what I do, how, what I say, and, 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 and my, my, my behavior? I'll tell you why. Because when we act a certain way and, and we continue to live in such a way and we will not repent of sin, we will not get rid of sin, we create an environment where the devil feels at home in our lives. Look in verse number 25. He says, put away lying. We got to repent of our sin. We, got, we need to repent of our tales. T-A-L-E-S. We, the truth is, just about every person in the world today, if you go about everybody's belief, there, there, there's so much lying going on that, you know, now... Truth is what's rare. You, I mean, to be honest, you just got to assume somebody's lying to you until they prove otherwise. And lying has become something. This is what I seen a survey the other day. I believe it was Princeton, one of them big schools. Uh, they, they, not Princeton, Kentucky, but Princeton, the big college. They, they, they said that 84%, they surveyed their senior class, 84% of them believed in order to get to succeed, they had to use deceit. They had to use some type, whether it be lying on an application, whether it be, uh, you know, uh, changing a little bit of their background or, or, or doctrine this or doctrine that. Or, or, or do it. But I want you to know this morning, lying is lying and lying is wrong. You said, but Brother Martin, I, I'll be honest, if we all look close enough, there's probably a few tales we've told that needs to be repented of. Say, what, well, what's the big deal about lying? Well, the devil's a liar. John 8, 44, it says, You of your father the devil, and the lust of your father you'll do. He was a murderer from the beginning, abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. You say, Brother Martin, it was just a little. I just, I just lied a little bit about my time this week at work. I just lied a little bit about my. I, I didn't. It wasn't nothing bad, you know. I, I told him I got there at this time, but I really got. By the way, we're gonna get to that. That's also stealing. But anyway, and, and, and I just, uh, you know, it was. Uh, I, 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 I applied for this, and I lied a little bit about that, and I lied on here, and they, I, I went to buy a house, and and they want to know my income, and I knew if I put my income, they wouldn't give me the house, so I put a little bit more. It's just a little lie. It's just a little lie, Brother Martin. It's not a big lie. I'll tell you what's wrong with lying is lying is something the devil likes to be around. It makes him feel at home. We're living in a lying world. I'll tell you what to do. If you want to get the devil out of your life, make up your mind and say from, from tonight, from today at 12 o'clock till tomorrow night, 12 a.m. That'd be 20. Is that 24 hours? Yeah. No. Yeah. No. That'd be 36 hours. Something like that. Y'all know what I'm saying? Just say, Lord, by the grace of God, from the time I wake up on Monday morning till I go to bed on Monday night, I don't want to tell one lie. And if you do that, you're going to realize how many lies you've really been telling. You say, how do you know? I've been doing it. And I'm telling you, I feel bad about it. I'm not, I'm not joking. It bothers me. I'm not talking about these egregious. I'm not talking about Brother Larry just flat out. I'm talking about just little bitty, bitty bits of error. Sometimes we tell things that are not true unknowingly. And 
You understand? If I say, hey, it's going to rain tomorrow, and it don't rain, I mean, I lied. I just was misinformed, or the, lie, the weatherman lied. He's been lying a lot here lately, but... I'm telling you this morning, it's so important because when we have lying, if we have lying in our life, if, if, if the Bible says that lying lips are an abomination unto the Lord. And so if we would all try to be more cautious and say, Lord, whether it's my husband and my wife, you better be careful lying to your husband or your wife about little things. Because if you lie to them about little things, you'll be lying to them about bigger things and bigger things. And daddies, you don't need to lie to your children. And children, you don't need to lie to your parents. And, 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 and mom and dad, you don't need to lie to your, to your, 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 your brothers and your sisters and, and your co-workers and your boss. Paul said, put away wine. Our tales. Verse 26 now. I know everybody's going to go, <laughs> Brother James, it's about you. But it's about all of us. Be ye angry and sin not. Let the sun go down upon your wrath. Let not the sun. I wish it did say let the sun go down upon your wrath. Because most of us, I'm just going to put me as number one. I've let the sun go down on my wrath until we're on past. We're into calendars. You know what I mean? It gets... And here's what the devil, listen to me. We need to repent of our tails, but we need to repent of our temper. Being angry is not wrong. Being angry about the wrong things is wrong. And being angry and sinning is wrong. That's why he said, he says, be ye angry and sin not. Did you know Jesus was angry about things? He got angry when he walked into the temple and they were selling, uh, they was making merchandise of the temple and, and taking advantage of them Jews. He got angry. I promise you, he wasn't saying, oh, happy day, when he was turning over those tables. Je Jesus, when he came into the temple that day, he wasn't saying, it's a beautiful day in the neighborhood, a beautiful day in the neighborhood, would you be mine? No. I believe you could see him. I believe sweat's pouring off his mouth. I believe you could tell, but you know what he was mad about? He was mad about the right things. You only know, listen, you only, you only uh, this would be real, real honest. You can tell a lot about a person about what makes them angry. You can take a man and go out to a golf course. Ain't that right, Brother Larry? Me and Brother Larry used to play golf, but I, I, I knew if I kept doing that, I wasn't going to be able to preach much longer. But Brother Larry, you take a man, I mean, go out to a golf course and, 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 and miss a putt. He'll take that club. He'll break it over something. He'll, I mean, he'll just, I mean, go on, lose it. I mean, lose it, throw his golf clubs out in the, in the, in the, in the uh, fairway there and, and, and cuss and yell and carry on and, and, and get mad. And then he'll go in the clubhouse and they'll all be in there, I mean, getting drunk, cussing, watching all, and it don't bother him at all. The truth of the matter is our temper, the devil, he likes angry people. You say, well, prove it. Well, Revelation 12, 2 says, Therefore rejoice ye heavens, ye dwell in them. Woe to the habitants of the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath. The devil's an angry creature. You understand? And he loves... You say, Brent Martin, I just got a short fuse. I just got a short fuse. Listen to me. I don't... That's an excuse. You understand? That is an excuse. I had somebody call me last night. I mean, they're just... Uh, 
distraught about a situation where there's a family member who's just, I mean, they're just that type of person. They just get mad, get mad, get mad, get mad, stay mad, always fussing at this and fussing about that, fussing about this and fussing about that. And, and I was talking to them about it, and, and they said this. That's just the way they are. And, and, they, and they said this. They said they've always been that way. They can't control it. That's what they said. You know what I asked them? I said, what about when they're around your children? I said, do they act that way around your children? And, and, the, and this person said, no. I said, they can control it. They can control it. The truth of the matter is, you say, but Martin, why is this such a big deal? Because the devil, he takes place in our life when, we have, when, we're, when we're in an angry place. Too many of us have let the sun go down upon our wrath. Too many of us have let it eat at us and eat at us and eat at us and we're angry and, we're, and we stay upset. And, and the truth of the matter is our own family, our own uh, friends, they know it, everybody knows it but us. We think we're just fine. But if you want to get rid of the devil, if you want to gain ground back in your life, we must repent and say, Oh God, help me. Uh, cleanse me. Forgive me. Enable me. Uh, let me be able to get a grip. You ever heard that term flying off the handle? You know what happens when you fly off the handle? Somebody gets hurt. That's, an, that's a logging term. They used, to, they used to use that when men would log with axes and when that axe head would fly off, it was a dangerous thing. There's been many children have been hurt by a daddy who flew off the handle. There's been many a wife hurt by a, father, a, a, a husband that flew off the handle. There's been many a husband hurt by a wife flying off the handle. And the Bible says, Paul said, Be ye angry and sin not. Verse 27. Neither give place to the devil. We ought to repent of our sins, our temper, our tails. And then he goes on to say, verse 28, that him that still stole, still no more. Everybody said, that ain't got nothing to do with me. Hold on. But rather let him labor, working with his hands. By the way, it's good for a man, women to work for what they have. Don't take it. That's what he's saying. Don't take it. Basically what he's saying, he says, then you'll be able to give to them that need it. So the truth matters, if you don't steal, if you won't steal and you'll work with your hands, what he's saying is not only will you have what you need, you'll have enough to help other people that need. So they ain't got to steal. <laughs> the devil's a thief. Did you know that? He feels right at home and said, you said, Brother Martin, I ain't stole nothing. Think about it. How could we steal I'm not talking about going up to the bank saying, give me all you got. But the truth of the matter is, it doesn't matter if it's a dime or $10,000. Stealing is stealing. It's amazing how much we learn as children from what we see more than what we hear. And I've said this before. Um, my grandmother, my mother's mother, uh, we called her Nanders. Her name was Virginia Sloan. We named Ginger after her. And uh, one of the best Christians I ever knew in my whole life. And she, she would read us the Bible. I mean, she would read us, uh, I, mean, I mean, it was like going to Bible school every day in the summer at her house. And not saying we always enjoyed it, but she'd read us about David and Goliath. She'd read us about this and about that. I mean, most of these stories in the Bible I knew, 
before, not because of church or service, but because of my grandmother. She was a teacher and she believed in teaching too. And we all knew our math tables, multiplication. I mean, she, I thought I'm not even in kindergarten. And what I, I mean, but anyway, she, uh, but you know, she taught us a lot. But I want you to know one of the greatest lessons she ever taught me wasn't with a book or with a chalkboard or nothing like that. We went, we, she'd take us and we'd go to McDonald's. That used to be when McDonald's was a big deal. I guess it's becoming a bigger deal now. It's going to be for my kids. They don't know it. But anyway, she'd take us to McDonald's and we'd get a happy meal. And, you know, and, and, and one time we went to McDonald's and we'd come home and she lived right there in Gainesville. And we come home, and, and she always drove these Buicks. She always had a Buick, Buick Century. That's what it was. Buick, she had a Buick LeSabre. But then she got a Buick Century. I don't know. But anyway, and, and we were sitting in that little Buick, Brother Martin. We pulled up under the garage. She had a carport off the side of her house. We're all sitting there. We're ready to jump. She said, hold up, hold up, hold up. Everybody wait, 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 wait. She looked in that bag, and, and she got to looking, and, and I thought maybe they'd shorted me of a chicken nugget. I'm thinking, I'm going to walk up there if I got to. to get. But she said, we got to go back. And... And I'll never forget this. She said, they gave us too many straws. I was sitting there thinking, we can use it for something, Anders. She said, no, they give us too many straws. She said, I'm taking it back. I, I'm telling you, this is the... This is the and and she, got in the, she drove us all the way back to McDonald's and went, and went up inside that restaurant and handed that lay a straw and said, you gave me too many straws, here you go. And as a little boy, I thought that was dumb. I, as a little boy, that aggravated me. But you know what she was trying to do? She was trying not to give place to the devil. And she knew that if she would take something like that, and the truth is she was living a life that she was so close to the Lord that, it, that, that the Holy Spirit convicted her about something so small. And, and the truth is, if we'd all get more, more sensitive about things, we'd realize we're taking a lot of stuff we ought not be taking. The Bible says the devil's a thief and he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. A lot of people steal from their employer. They wouldn't, you don't understand? I, I mean, I don't want to make nobody mad, but if I do, I do. I mean, I guess that's just part of it. But I mean, I'm, <coughs> but, but the truth is, them tools at your job, all that people, they, they, they do that stuff all the time and they don't think nothing of it. Lie on their timesheet, lie. That's stealing, you understand? Lying, stealing, stealing, lying. They kind of go together. It's almost like the same person's behind it all. And you know who it is? It's the devil. Amen. So, brother, what's the big deal if I take a dollar here and a dollar there? Or if, 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 if you know, if uh, I'm not going to say that because I don't want to incriminate anybody, but, but there's a lot of ways that I, and you say, well, maybe for the normal, just average everyday person it don't matter but for somebody who's wanting the Lord to rule and reign in their life and for somebody who's not wanting the devil to have any ground in your life we ought to all say Lord today help me not to take one thing that's not mine and people will look at you for being that way and say oh they're they're just uh, you know better than everybody else holier than thou to you know, you know, Mister Mister Good, you know, don't want he's a, he's just a company man. But the truth of the matter is, and I don't know what anybody in here is doing, but myself. But I, I just know this: that if we want to run the devil plumb out, and we want to get back all the ground in our life, we've got to realize 
Hey, Paul said you need to, he said you need to quit, you need to let go of your stealing. But him that steals, steal no more. But rather him labor, working with his hands. The thing which is good that he may have to give him that needeth. Verse 29. <clears throat> Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. But that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. Remember, we won't get back ground. We've got to repent of our sin. The last thing he talks to them about is about their tongue. The Bible, in fact, wish you wish you had turned to the book of James. One man said that every war started with a word. Every war started with a word. Proverbs says that the, there's power of life and death in the tongue. And you know what the devil is? He is the accuser of the brethren. How did Satan deceive Eve and Adam? With his tongue. Verse 1 of chapter 3. My brethren, be not many masters. How many masters is a believer supposed to have? One. The Lord Jesus Christ. Knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation, for in many things we offend all. If, if any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man and also able to bridle the whole body. What he's saying there is if you, can, if you can master your tongue, then you can control every other area of your body. Behold, we put bits in the horse's mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Y'all have seen that? These Amish, the, how they, they put a bit, a big old tall, I mean, however many hands tall horse, and they put a bit in his mouth, and they can make him go wherever they want. Behold also the ships, which though they be so great and are driven of fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. A boat's got a little helm. In verse 5, even so the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire. A world, Brother Willard said that's why he had to put it in a, in a, in a, put it in a, in a pool of water to keep it cool. It says the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body. And set it on fire the course of nature, and it's set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast and of birds and of serpents and things of the sea is tamed and hath been tamed to mankind. You can see, you can go to the circus, they got monkeys juggling, and elephants will stand on their feet. He said, every beast has been tamed. Every, even serpents, I wouldn't recommend you doing it, but them serpents, they can put them in there and, and blow that flute, you know, like they do over there in India, and toot on that thing, and, or whatever it is, ukulele, or a recorder, whatever, and that snake will come out. They can, he said, every beast can be tamed, and has been tamed, but the tongue can no man tame. It's an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therefore, 
Bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. When you curse another man or woman, think about this, in reality, they are made in the similitude of God. You're actually cursing God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries? Either a vine, figs, so can no fountain both yield salt, water, and fresh. In Ephesians, Paul said, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth. I want you to know, if we want to get the devil, we're going to have to get a hold of this tongue. And I believe it's just as wrong to type it on the computer as to say it. We're living this. We got a lot of people that are brave on that computer. They just and they'll say things to people that you know in real life. They wouldn't have said to them in their face. But Paul says this: If we want to get get the devil out, then guess what we're going to have to do? We're going to repent of our sins of the tongue. Drew, my mouth's not that bad, you know. I, I, I mean, I may cuss a little bit here and blaspheme a little bit there and take God's name vain a little bit here and there. And, and, and I might say, uh, you know, I can remember my grandma, and by the way, I failed my kids and they're not here. And I pray y'all pray for me. I'd be a better daddy and, and do better. But I can remember my grandmother, I mean, the, the, we didn't, I mean, cussing wasn't even on the agenda. I mean, you didn't even, you couldn't even say words that began with the letters of cuss words. I mean, it was like, you know, you couldn't say, uh, uh, if, if you got mad, said, oh, me. She'd say, whoa, 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 watch your mouth. What? She said, I know what she was thinking. I can remember my mom, and <laughs> I'm not going to give no details. Me and my brother said something we shouldn't say. It wasn't really, anyway, long story short, we thought it was funny. She didn't think it was funny. I remember her taking us home and getting that dial hand soap and just, <laughs> I mean, now I'm out rubbing that thing out. But you know what it is? The, uh, Paul said, let no corrupt. You know what that word corrupt means? Rotten. You know what? If you put a rotten apple in, in, a, in a bushel of apples, what are you going to have in a little while? Rotten apples. What he was saying is what comes out of our mouth, it, it's not just words. It has a corrupting effect. Our words affect the climate. You go to a wicked place, you'll hear wicked words. In fact, in Mark chapter 1, where it's talking about them demons, he calls them unclean spirits. You know what unclean spirits are? That means filthy. You know, filth, there's a difference in profanity. Profanity, profane means to blaspheme God. It's a, but there's also what the Bible calls a filthy speech. And by the way, that profanity, oh, I mean, it's amazing how profane, how profane this world is. How profane it's gotten to where they mock Jesus, they use His name as a byword, they use things, uh, 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 words about, they take God's name in vain without any thought. But I want you to know the Bible says, Thou shalt not take the Lord, the name of the Lord thy God in vain. But there's a filthy speech. That's what he's talking about here. Corrupt. See, why is it so important? What I say? Because when you talk that talk, you're making the devil feel at home. 
You know what in hell they're doing? They're not praising God. They're blaspheming God. They're cursing God. They're railing at Him. I mean, they're, I mean, you've never heard cussing like you've got that's going on in hell right now. They're not down there saying, oh, I, I, I'm saying me. No, they're, they're, they're angry at God. They're blaspheming God. And listen to me, when we talk that way, you say, but Brother Martin, I mean, are we, we're all adults. It don't matter if you're an adult, you're a kid, you're middle-aged, you're old, anywhere in between. There used to be a time where God's people talked like godly people. And I'm not with you. I'm not there to monitor you. And I don't plan on doing that. I don't want to see anybody's phones or lose. I'm not doing that. I'm not the, uh, what's the, the, the Russia, GBI, what's that called? KJB. KJV? KGB, yeah, KGB. I'm not the KGB. I'm not going to be tapping your phones or, oh, you cut back. I want you to know the Holy Ghost of God lives in your heart if you're saved. And y'all, now you say, Brother Martin, I'm doing fine. I'll talk how I want to. Go ahead that way. And the devil will always have a place in your life. Amen. I'm talking about getting them out. If we want to get them out, which is what we're going to have to do. we we'll say, Lord, today, can't go back, can't go forward, but today. I don't want to say one filthy thing. Not one filthy thing. I remember when we was boys, we'd get out there, you know, playing basketball and all. And, and you know, if we think, you know how boys do. And that, but, when, but, but my Nanders, she'd come out, you'd think it's choir practice. We wouldn't dare say nothing in front of her. And one cause she was big, we just, had, we just loved her. But I want you to know somebody is in our presence all the time. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. And I, I, again, if you're, ha if you're happy right now with the devil having a place in your life, you just keep doing what you're doing. But the truth be told, you're not happy. You know you're not happy and everybody else knows you're happy. But if you want to get him out, then you've got to make up your mind and say, I'm not going to talk in a way that makes the devil feel at home. You know what makes him uncomfortable? Words like Jesus. Amen. Words like, thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Amen, Brother Bill. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm glad somebody's helping me this morning. But next time you smash your thumb, I'm talking about just smash your, I'm talking about split the nail, blood skeeting out. I'm talking about skin hanging off. I mean, I'm talking about bone chilling pain. Go, hallelujah. <laughs> and you know what the devil do? He's like, I don't want to be around this nut. <laughs> next time you get cut off in line, at McDonald's or at Walmart's and that person comes pushing that buggy and you've been there and they ram in front of you and say, bless the Lord. It's a whole lot better than what you've been saying. Amen. Or, 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 or the next time they, that something happens that doesn't go your way, next time you're at work and somebody don't show up or maybe they, they do something and you, and you get upset and you lose your temper, maybe it's your children. The next time your children uh, misbehave, instead of flying off the handle and letting it rip, just hold back and say, glory to God. And the Bible says that he says, let no corrupt communication proceed our mouth, but rather, but rather that which is good which is good. How can we overcome evil? With good. Amen. To the use of edifying. That's, that may minister. The word edify means to build up. Did you know this? I can take any of, I can take Ryder. And if I give him the right tools, he could tear this whole church down. I'm talking about literally. 
not figuratively, literally. As five years old, he's never worked for Caterpillar. He's never been trained on running equipment. But I promise you, if I give him the right tools and give him enough time, if I put George in here with him, they could get it done a lot quicker. <laughs> they could tear this place to the ground. But what if I, Brother Larry, what if I brought in a trailer load of block, a trailer load of plywood, a trailer load of trusses and, 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 and wiring and plumbing supply, pipe and fixtures and carpet and flooring and, and air conditioning and, I, and this whole parking lot's full and I took Ryder and George out there and said, build a church. Y'all think they could do it? Never. What I'm trying to say is a baby can tear something up. But it takes somebody with some knowledge, wisdom, and experience to be able to build something up. So whenever I tear somebody down, I'm acting like a child. It takes a lot more thought. It takes a lot more effort. It takes a lot more intention. It takes a lot more uh, commitment for a person to use their mouth. Did you know this morning, did you know that you could absolutely change somebody's life with just one kind word? Just one kind word. How many, I don't want you to raise your hand, but I guarantee you there's people in here that can remember something somebody said to you when you was a kid that hurt you. And still, if you think about it, it bothers you. I, I can remember there's a boy, and, and, and he didn't mean nothing by it, but when I was in sixth grade, he said something. We were sitting at the lunch table, and he said something, and it hurt me. And I'm talking about to this day, when I hear his name, I'm not bitter, but I'm telling you, I remember that. And I can remember saying things that, that to people that were hurtful, and I can see that, and, I, and it bothers me to this day. So what I mean to say is if we want to get rid of the devil, the devil comes to destroy. Do you believe that? He destroys. He's a destroyer. He's like Georgia and Ryder in here tearing everything down. But that's not what God's called us to do. Not to be destructive, to be constructive and say, how can I, maybe if we want to get rid of the devil, why don't we say, Lord, help me to be encouraging. Help me to be edifying. Help me to say something today to somebody, whether it's the woman at the, at the doctor's office or whether it's somebody at the, at the gas station. I mean, I've got news for y'all, and I'm the worst one, so again, y'all can just nail me to the wall and, 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 and whatever you want to do. But I promise you, everybody is well aware of how much gas costs right now. And I've been guilty of it. I mean it. Pull up, I get, I mean, every time I look at that pump, it just, and next thing I know, I'm telling everybody there, boy, ain't you glad we got this? Ain't, you know, and you know, but you know what, what you know, you know what would might help somebody if you said, "Hey, how's your day? Are you doing? Hey, you know how how bad would you hate right now to be those ladies that work at, and the men that work at these gas stations? How many times a day they hear somebody gripe about it? I'm just being honest. Again, Lord, start with me. I'm, I'm telling you, and it, this is all small stuff to most people. But if we want to have our life completely controlled by Jesus Christ, then we're going to have to get down to the dirty details. The devil loves destruction. You go to talking, running off, running people down, attacking and being that way, guess what you're doing? You're opening the door and saying, come on in. Come on in. 